We're living in the last days. Everyone say last days. We really are. And I've, I know I'm rehearsing and reviewing some things. But when the church was born back in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, that was the declaration, the prophetic declaration that we, the last days had begun. The last days as we know it is, is an undetermined amount of time. It's a season of grace for God's people to fulfill His kingdom purpose in the earth. And that is to win more for heaven and less for hell. How many of you know God doesn't want anybody to go to hell? He wants people to go to heaven. And this season we are living in is a season of great opportunity. The last days should not be the days that we fear and dread and, 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 and fret over. The last days should be the season and the hour and the opportunity for God's greatest glory to be realized. And that's for more people to be born again in Beaumont, Texas and in Southeast Texas than ever before. Amen. So with that in mind, let me just move forward uh, and cause you to know, to know and realize that First and Second Timothy, as we've been saying, is really Paul's instructions, if you will, to his son in the faith, Timothy, his new up-and-coming leader, to know how to lead uh, in times of adversity and lead through the last days. And, and if you look at First Timothy 4 and Second Timothy 3, they're both... They're both references to the last days. He said, in the last days, perilous times will come. He warns Timothy. And so you need to realize that these two letters are designed to empower and equip Timothy to be a, a wonderful leader and a person of influence in the last days. How many of you know God wants to really use you in the days ahead? He really does. Now, we borrowed John Maxwell's definition or one of his definitions of leadership. We said this, and I think it works really well for these two letters. And I pray you've read through them. If you haven't read through them and meditated on them, I want to encourage you to do that this week. First and second Timothy, read through them with the mindset of, 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 of Paul and the Holy Spirit training us to be last day's leaders. John Maxwell said leadership is this, those who know the way those who show the way, and then those who go the way. I think that works great for our, our illustration today and for this series. And when you look through First and Second Timothy, you'll find that Paul is telling Timothy the way of the Lord. And then he's saying, you know what? God uh, showed me that I am here to be a model. And we're going to look at that today, to be someone who can show you the way to live this life. And then we'll look next Sunday and we'll close out this series with that third part, Go the Way. How last day's leaders' lives go. And I think it's going to be a great cap to this six-week series. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't, if you've missed some, go to our website. In fact, if you talk to Ike, and Ike, uh, and I might get this right, you can go to our Vimeo page, which has all the things we've ever got our, 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 our video on. I think it's, uh, when you go to Vimeo, you can search COTR North and you can find it. If not, he'll help you. It has everything. It has our Sunday services there on video. And you can go back and you can catch some of these lessons and you can get plugged in because God wants to use you dynamically to know the, not only know the way, but show the way and go the way. And everybody said, amen. Now, when we talked about, we've been talking about knowing the way for four weeks. And, and, and the reason I've put so much emphasis on it, if you don't know the way, how on earth are you going to show the way? 
And so it's so important to know. In fact, let me just review some thoughts with you. You know, in the Old and New Testament, uh, when there was a phrase that the, that the writers would use, it'd say, in the way. Everyone say, in the way. He would walk in the way of the Lord and raise up your child in the way that they, sh- they should go. It means the course of life, the purpose of God for their life. And we see very early in 1 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul tells Timothy, this is the way. In fact, verse 15, he says this, the course of life for all his disciples is this. He said in verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's the gospel. How many of you know the gospel is the way of the Lord? You can't get away from the gospel. Listen, we're going to be a church that is ingrained and, 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 and saturated by the reality of the way of the Lord. This is the course of life for all of us. Let's read it out loud together. Let this drop down in your spirit. Here it is. Everybody, the course of life. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And his plan is to use us in the process as a proclaimer of the way and a pattern for others to follow in the way. In fact, he said in verse uh, of chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 of that same letter, he said an interesting phrase. He said, exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. Everyone say godliness. Everybody say exercise. Well, we understand exercise, and, and that's a taboo for a lot of us. But that word godliness means much more than just spiritual right living. It really means, or a better translation could be, uh, the gospel scheme. Everyone say the gospel scheme. You see, he's telling Paul, pardon me, Paul's telling Timothy, exercise yourself in the gospel scheme. A scheme is a, a, a broad and strong plan of action for something. If you had a, had something you wanted to accomplish, you're going to scheme together. You're going to put together a strategic plan. And here we find Paul, the apostle, telling his son in the faith, here's where I want you to be strong in. Here's where I want you to be exercised in. I want you to exercise yourself in the gospel scheme. That's where you need to be strong. That's where you need to be focused. That's where you need to be established is in the way of the Lord, the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, no man can be born again unless they go the way of the Lord. Are you with me? Say amen. Know the way. Last day's leaders are no, those who know the way. And, and then they show the way. And this morning I want to talk to you about showing the way. That is this, becoming a model for others to follow. God is looking. Now, this is where, this is what undoes me just a little bit, if that's correct. I'm a little undone by this. In fact, if, if, if I could be honest with you today, the scripture I'm about to read to you unnerves me. It, it, it challenges me. It, 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 it bothers me in a good way. Because as soon as Paul tells his son in the faith, Timothy, his true son in the faith, Timothy, this is the way Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Then he says in verse 16 of the first Timothy chapter uh, one, he says, however, everyone say, however, 
However, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Now, stop and look up at me. He said, this is why God has called. This is why God showed up to me, uh, showed himself to me on the road to Damascus. Uh, was it the road to Damascus? And that's why the light of God shined in my heart and Jesus revealed himself to me. This is why I've been born again. This is why I'm here today. Now, he, he said, that's, this is the whole reason. Now, this is what unnerves me personally. That in me, first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. Now, that unnerves me. Let me explain to you why. He said, God has saved me. So He could, and He showed His mercy to me. So he could be manifest through me to the point that other people are born again. That's why I'm here, he said. To be a role model and an example for others to follow. So much so that they would be born again into the kingdom of God, that they would look at my life, they would see my life, and they would see the pattern of what Christ has done in my life, and that they would look to my life, and from the influence of Jesus through me, they would be born again. He said, I'm here to show the way. Pardon me, I'm getting a little old school here with But there ought to be a passion in our heart. And I want to tell you, that just bothers me because I look at my own life and I go, I just don't, I'm just not sure. Now, I'm the pastor of the church. I understand. And and many of you would look at me, oh, pastor, you're a great role model. But on the inside here, I'm telling you, this unnerves me. Because I don't know that I've really addressed this in my own life where I look at my life and say, the responsibility of my life, the calling of God on my life, the reason I've been born again is so people could so see Jesus in me and they would be born again as well. Everyone say, show the way. This is challenging to me. When you look at the first and second Timothy, they're letters of instruction to Timothy that are designed to uh, show him that we have that responsibility to show the way of becoming a last day's leader. In fact, let me just kind of build on this for you. Let me show you. Look in first Timothy. Are you there? First Timothy chapter three. Look at this. If you're there, say I'm there, pastor. Look what he addresses in chapter 3. He addresses the qualifications of overseers and really church leaders, elders and deacons. And he says this, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, we'll just call it church leader, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospital, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God, not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the, de- of, as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and in the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must, everyone say must, 
Deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, uh, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and a great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Whoo, everybody say amen. Man, what do we see here? Paul is just laying it on the line. He's saying, this is what it takes uh, for you and I to be last day's leaders. They, These are role models for others to follow. This is what you must be. This is what you must raise up. This is what we need in the church today is leaders who can show the way. Now, interesting to me, when you look at this list, when I see lists of things, especially like this, I look in there and I say, what's not on the list? Because it's interesting to me that a lot of times when church people start trying to find someone to fill a leadership position, they start looking for things that in reality aren't even on this list. Let me tell you what's not on the list, just some thoughts. Charisma's not on the list. You know, if you were searching for a pastor, I hope you don't have to do that anytime soon. But listen, you wouldn't want a boring preacher, would you? You wouldn't want somebody that's got some charisma to them. You wouldn't want a, you know, a bump on the log. Oh, we need somebody that's uh, with charisma who can stand up and really gain the attention of the people. Let me tell you what else is not on the list. Your giftings and abilities weren't on the list. When Paul gave Timothy a list of qualifications, it was nothing about your natural abilities and your giftings or your personality or, for goodness sakes, not your good looks. I'm so glad that's not the case. Those things aren't on the list. And those, many times, those seem to be the things that we look for in leader. We thought, here's some qualification. We need somebody who can stand up and shuck the corn. We need somebody who can, you know, really gain your attention. Or we need somebody who, you know, hey, listen, what we do realize about this last day's leader that Paul is so, uh, you know, adamant about in First and Second Timothy, it's not about all these things that weren't on the list. It's not about charisma. It's not about gifting and ability. It's about integrity and character. And listen, you and I know that that's one of the biggest issues in the world today. That's one of the biggest issues in the church today is finding men and women of character and integrity who can be these role models. And you know what? As your pastor, I have to tell you, I want to be as righteous as I can be. I want to be as integral as I can be. But on the inside, I realize it spooks me in a good way to think about standing up and say, hey, just like Paul said, the reason I'm here is to be a role model so much so that people would see Jesus in me and not see me, but they would see Jesus in me. That's what Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15, that Jesus would be so manifest in my life, not just in what I say, but what I do to the point where they would want to be born again. They would see the character of Christ in me and something on the inside of them would want to be born again. Wow. And then if you look in 1 Timothy 4, you see down in verse 12, he starts coaching Timothy personally about what it's going to take for him to be a model to follow, model for others to follow. He said, let no one despise your youth, 
Let me just stop and say to all the young people here today, all the young adults here today, let me just say, we're not, when we talk about leadership, we're not talking about old people. We're talking about people of character and integrity. Are you with me? You see, we tend to think of people like Jim and me, oh, those are the elders in the church. Those are the leaders in the church. And, and, and certainly that's valid. But could I tell you today, Paul tells Timothy, he said, hey, just because you're young does not mean you're not supposed to or don't have to or don't have the responsibility to be a role model for others to follow, to be a person of character and integrity. And he tells him, he gives him some personal coaching. Don't let anybody despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And then he just continues on. He gives him some some uh, personal coaching. Timothy, this is what you need to be a role model in. In fact, if you go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says, The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What's he doing? He's saying, listen, you got to be a role model here. you got to be a model for others to follow. And the things you've learned, you got to pass them on to some more faithful men. Find some more Timothys, Timothy, and begin to invest what God has given you into them. Listen, my friend, this is why we're still here. Well, I thought I was here to just be fruitful and multiply and get all I can and can the rest. No, we're here to show the way for others to, to be born again and to be coming to the kingdom of God, our role model and our example. And so with that in mind, I want to show you some things. In fact, let me just say this. Our, in these last days, this generation that we're living in, we are desperate. Listen, we are desperate for a new generation of righteous role models. There's a vacuum and a void in the world today. There's a vacuum and a void in the world today to people who not only can, can talk it, but they can walk it. People who have become to the place where they realize that Jesus Christ lives on the inside of them and they have the responsibility to let that light so shine as Jesus said that others would see our good works or the way we live. and They would be born again. God's looking for righteous role models and I want to give you just three simple thoughts and listen, we could, we could spend another month right here, but I'm just going to, I want to ignite your thought processes. I want to undo you a little bit if I can. I want, I want to unnerve you. Hey, listen, if I'm a, a little unnerved here, I want you to be unnerved with me. I don't want to be the only person on the block that looks at this responsibility and it makes them a little nervous on the inside. What is it going to, what, what are we talking about righteous role models? Well, let me just give you three thoughts. Number one, we need role models of right living who live right. Now, he's very clear here in these illustrations of what it's going to take to live right. But hey, I'm going to help you here in a moment to kind of, this, this is a little overwhelming to me, but I'm going to help you here today. Uh, I want you to notice something in First Timothy chapter 3 uh, and verse 2. Look what he says, a bishop then must, everyone say must. Notice that that is not optional. A leader, a last day's leader must, let me just say it this way, learn how to live right on planet earth. Learn how to live right. I already read it, but let me just, to, a must be blameless. That not, that doesn't mean perfect. It means without 
blame. People who nobody will be able to blame you for uh, or, or point the finger at you because of something they know about you. In other words, right living, if you're going to be a last day's leader who others can look to and they look and they see Jesus, that we've got to learn to live right. We've got to be role models of right living. We've got to live right on Sunday just like, and on Monday just like we did on Sunday. Could I get a better amen? And he said, must. In other words, this is not an option. This is where we've got to, in fact, let me just jump ahead. This is where we need to raise the bar in our own life. Listen, the scripture says that in, in times gone by, that, that God kind of winked at some things. He kind of went, oh, I understand. And the reason he did, because he was waiting for the age of grace to come along so we could lean upon the word and the will of God for our life and raise the bar in our life and began to live the life that he has for us to live. So much so that people around us would go, whoo, my goodness, what has happened in your life? I see something different about you. Something's going on on the inside. And they would see Jesus come oozing out out of our life by how we live our life amen now that unnerves me but listen it's it's exciting because and gosh let me just throw this out look look over it see what he says in verse of chapter 6 verse 11 he challenges him again he's talking about the love of money and look what he says you know the love of money verse 10 is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But look what he tells him. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and generous, and generosity. He's saying, man, you gotta, you gotta flee these, these influences in the world that is undermining the character and the integrity of Christ in your life. And you've got to pursue. Everyone say pursue. You see, that's where it doesn't just happen. You have to pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So with that in mind, let me let you off a little bit and let me give, let me put some, 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 some hope in your heart about becoming a role model of right living. Because if you look in verse 16, look what he says here. He says this about this responsibility. I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern. Listen, the only person who can help you and empower you to be a role model of right living is Jesus Christ. Everyone say Jesus Christ. And again, let me just show you some thoughts. Uh, let me give you some thoughts here. Uh, look what Paul said concerning his own life. If you go back in verse 13, uh, we see that there's some, there's some things that if we're going to live the righteous life, we must have an abundance of in our life. If we're going to live the life, we've got to have an abundance of some things. Let me show it to you. The first two is mercy and grace. Everyone say mercy and grace. Now, let me just pause and ask you this. Uh, uh, when it comes to mercy, can you earn God's mercy? In fact, what did Jesus, pardon me, Paul say to the Ephesians, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Jesus made us alive. In other words, there was no way. Listen, there's no way you and I can earn the good grace of God in our life. We need His mercy. Everyone say the mercy of God. 
In fact, look what he said in, in, in the uh, uh, first chapter of 1 Timothy, in verse 12. I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Verse 13, although I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy. Somebody say mercy. Listen, and that word obtained does not mean I went out and found it. It meant that God gave it to me as a gift. And so therefore, I, I obtained it. It became mine. He showed mercy to me because I did what I did ignorantly in unbelief. And look in verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. Everyone say exceedingly abundant. Man, I love that because it says that exceedingly abundant means to it super abounds. Now, I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know what the issues of your life is. I don't know what your monsters are. I don't know what your obstacles are. But Paul had some serious issues. He was a persecutor of the church. And he said the mercy and the grace of God came along in my life in a super abundant amount of, of uh, uh, outpouring in my life and trans formed my life and listen if you and I are going to be role models of right living we've got to embrace and obtain and walk in the mercy and the grace of God in our life and listen you don't earn his grace you don't earn his mercy where does it come from it comes from Jesus Christ he's the only one can help you live right and it's going to take his mercy and grace everyone say mercy and grace and then he gives a couple of more. He says this. He's, he keeps going. Uh, here's, here's a couple of more. We need an abundance not only of his mercy and grace, but his faith and love. Everyone say faith and love. Look what he says in verse 14. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Now, all four of those, you need to understand that God just gives them to us. We just got to reach out and take a hold of them. He's given us all a measure of faith. Even when we were dead, He loved us. Even when we were dead and without Christ, He had mercy on us and showed us His grace, His unmerited favor, and He's given them to us. That's what the gospel, for goodness sake, is all about. God so loved the world that He did what? He gave. And Paul comes along and said, because of his mercy and grace and because of his faith and love that he bestowed upon me, the abundance, the superabounding of his mercy and grace and his faith and love, I stand here today as a role model of example for Jesus to see, others to see Jesus on the inside of me. So I just want to give you this one thought. And oh, there's so much scripture. You read through first and second Timothy, you, and you underline mercy and grace and faith and love. In fact, did you know, uh, each letter he, he closed out with Timothy, this thought, the grace of the Lord be with you. Something, in other words, he closed out his letter saying, Timothy, you gotta have his grace now. I speak this over you. The grace of God, the, the favor of God on your life. You gotta find yourself under the favor of God. You can't, you've gotta embrace the mercy of God and the grace of God in your life. And, and you've gotta embrace the faith of God. All these things that Jesus has poured out upon us. In fact, Paul said to the Romans in Romans 5, he said, your love was poured out upon me. I didn't earn it. It just was poured out upon us because of his mercy and grace. Now, I said that to say this. 
Let me throw that. What was Paul trying to get across to Timothy when he said, hey, you know, and we could look at those qualifications of leadership and go, oh, I'll never, I'll never line up with that. Blameless for goodness sake. You know what Paul was telling Timothy? You know what the reality of living life right is? He's trying to get across to Timothy. Right living requires total reliance and dependence upon Jesus. Read that with me. Right living. Come on, everybody out loud. Right living requires total dependence upon Jesus. I'm dependent upon His mercy every day. I'm dependent upon His grace every day. I'm dependent upon the faith that He gave me every day to get me through these circumstances of life. I'm dependent upon the love of God that was poured out upon me. I'm totally dependent upon Him. In order to be able to be a role model of right living. You know, in a sense, that takes the pressure off me. But then I realize, man, I've got to, I've got to get up in the morning and live a life that is totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. Not dependent upon me, myself, and I. Not dependent upon my job. Not dependent upon the government, for goodness sake. Not dependent on my heads, uh, my, my street smarts or my head smarts. My life, if I'm going to be a role, if I'm going to be able to really be what Jesus wants me to be as a role model of righteousness that others could look to and say, whew, I want to be born again. I've got to have total dependence upon Him in every area of my life. And you see right there, we could spend weeks and weeks discussing and talking about living a life of total dependence. In fact, we did this a few weeks ago when we discussed and went through uh, the topic of learning to follow Jesus 24-7. What was I talking about? You know, the Jesus journey. Learning to follow, learning to be totally dependent upon Jesus 24-7. Amen. Role models of right living was the first and gosh, the, the most convicting portion of all this and seemed to be the most challenging. But let me tell you something. You didn't get saved because you were so good. You got saved because of His mercy and grace and the faith and the love of God that was poured out in our life. And how are we going to walk the walk? By His mercy and grace. And by faith and by love. In fact, Paul told the Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. And so I want you to, with this thought, I want you to ask yourself, I want you to, I I hope you're a little unnerved today. Uh, Am I living a life that is totally reliant and totally dependent upon Jesus Christ? In my life, am I leaning on Him in every area of my life? Am I depending upon Him? Am I following after Him? Well, Pastor, I, I'm not, I don't want to live a life of total dependence. I want to be independent. Oh, oh my goodness. Get that out of your system in a hurry. Teenagers, get that out of your system in a hurry. I want to tell you something. Being total, being independent is really not, you'll discover that independence is not everything it's cracked up to be. Beverly and I were talking, uh, we, uh, we were just, uh, I mentioned something, uh, about groceries. It said, you know, when she moved out because she wanted to be independent. And she said, I remember a time when I didn't have potato chips to eat. 
I said, why don't you call your daddy? I'd been running home. Daddy, all I got is potato chips. She said, you don't understand who I was. I want to be independent. I said, man, I'm going to tell you, independence cost you something, didn't it? When you only got potato chips. Listen, all of us, when we live a life of independence from God, whether we have, have a, a, listen, you can have a refrigerator full of food and can't eat. You can, leave, you can sleep on a king size, you can lay down every night on a king size bed and can't sleep. You can, you can, hey, dress up with alligator shoes and fine clothes and you can't even walk and live right. Listen, we've, we've got to come to the place where we are totally dependent upon Him in every area of our life. Whoo, somebody say amen. And if we are, as Paul undoubtedly was, we can be able to stand and say, because of the mercy and the grace and the faith and the love of God in our life, the reason I'm here today, the reason Jesus poured His mercy out upon me so He could show up in, the, in my life as a role model and example for others to see Jesus in me. Role models of right living. The next thing that I see in these two letters is a role model of readiness. Everyone say you got to be ready. In fact, if you go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, I want you to do that. And as I said last week, and oh, I hope you go back if you missed last week and, 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 and catch up in some of these areas. Look, these are the last instructive words Paul tells to his son in the faith, Timothy. Now, if you were going to hang out with your children for the last couple of hours, you're going to write down anything, what would you write? You know, most of us, I love you, I miss you. Uh, you know, I'm sorry I'm not going to be here. You don't find that in Timothy because Timothy knows where he's heading. He's heading into eternity with Christ and receive his just reward for the life he lived. And we see him saying this, I charge you, that's a command. Therefore, God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom preach the word be ready somebody say be ready now why are we here why are we still here because of the gospel's sake this is what he's talking about the sad thing is about most church folk most believers they are not ready to share the gospel of jesus christ you are not prepared we are not prepared we stumble through the darkness with a little light on the inside of us with no capacity to set to share the gospel last wednesday night as we finished out our connect course we talked about getting yourself ready and prepared to share the gospel to share your testimony Testimony And Paul's last words to Timothy were this. You've got to be ready. You've got to be in season and out of season. He says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. He said, for the time will come, they won't endure sound doctrine. Then he says in verse 5, but you be watchful in all things and, and endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. We've got to be ready to preach and teach. You say, well, I'm not a preacher or a teacher. I don't care. You've got to be ready to preach and teach. doesn't mean pre we think of preach like what I'm doing right now. But how many of you know that means declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
You've got to be ready to declare the gospel to lost people, people who are without Christ. In fact, I, I, I gave this out. This, hey, there's so many resources in the world. Google is a miracle, uh, 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 website. You go in there and you type in the Romans Road, you'll find little illustrations. There's a few of these out there. Just great little illustrations about the gospel and scriptures about the gospel and a prayer you can lead others in and the gospel. Sadly, most people in churches across America, less than 50%, of people in churches across America have ever not just not led anybody to Jesus, but not witnessed to anybody about Jesus nor shared the gospel. And the whole purpose, as I said, for us being here today is not to take up space to, to, to have a family and enjoy, you know, our life until Jesus comes. It's here to, we're, we're still here on planet earth to be a role model of readiness to share the gospel wherever we go. We've got to be ready to preach and teach. We've got to be, be ready to work and reach. He said, do the work of an evangelist. It's work. It's effort. This is why we live right. This is the why to right living. Uh, hey, most people when they think of right living is just so God's not mad at me. So I can make sure I get in to heaven one day. You can't work your way into heaven. I got to be good because God's looking down and I don't want him to be upset and I don't want to miss my chance and I don't want to... Hey, listen, the reason we live right is because others need a role model to follow. So we can do the work of an evangelist and be role models of readiness and that's one of the areas where we've got to raise the bar in our own life. And finally, number three, I see in First and Second Timothy, and this is huge and we could spend a lot of time here, we must become role models of right relationships. Man, when you read First and Second Timothy, letters, these letters are saturated with relational insight. Listen, Paul was a very relational guy. In fact, when he wrote, uh, I think Second Timothy, he said, man, I, I think it was Second Timothy, he said, man, I long to see you. Was it Second Timothy? Man, he missed his friend. He said, verse 4, chapter 1, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. I'm telling you, this guy was a relational guy. And, and as you read the end of Second Timothy, you'll discover that he was a wounded warrior as well because of others who, ha who who broke covenant and relationship with him. But when you look at it, man, there's it, this is a relational book. In fact, he tell what does he say in both uh, the beginning of both letters? He calls Timothy the first one. He says, "You're my true son." And second Timothy, he says, "You're my beloved son." And then he and 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 second Timothy he talks about a, a dear friend who helped him named Onesiphorus who was not afraid of his chain, who helped him and ministered to him and, and encouraged him throughout his the hard places of life. And, and, and we see, and you, if you read through this, you, it's just such a relational book. But now, this is what he's saying. He said, listen, Timothy, in these last days, you got to have right relationships with others. You can't isolate and insulate yourself from others. We need one another. Look at your neighbor and say, we need each other. He knew what it felt like to be all alone. In fact, at one point in the end of the letter, we'll look at it quickly. He says, man, these people have left me. That person has left me. He understood what it meant to be hurt relationally, but he did not back away from the reality that we've got to maintain right relationships through the end of days. Now, let me give you this insight. 
One of the biggest things the devil is trying to do in the church today is undermine, undermine healthy, right relationships with God and man. He's trying to, he's trying to separate, isolate, and undermine the, the, the necessity of right relationship. Hey, listen, in these last days, there's a huge demonically inspired relational breakdown. Let me show it to you. Can I show it to you? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Everybody say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, Pastor. Look, let me show it to you. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Look, no, let me give you a verse. This is what in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Did you know the devil is out trying to do his due diligence? Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Look at these three words, verse 3. Forbidding to marry. Now, Think about that for a moment. Let's open the can here just a little bit. Let's think about it. Forbidding to marry. I, I haven't seen that. I, I don't think people are forbidding to marry. And let me just say it this way. The devil is trying to undermine the core of commitment that he established when he created humanity. And what was it? The marriage relationship. As a picture and a role model. Hello. And how many of you know right now the, the, the institute of marriage, husband and wife, is being undermined by demonically inspired thought processes? To divide and conquer and undermine the core necessity of humanity, that is healthy, right relationship. Did you know there's a spirit of divorce in the world today? Not just between husbands and wives, but between others because of issues. We divorce ourselves from churches. We divorce ourselves from people who have hurt us. We divorce ourselves. It's the work of the enemy undermining the core foundational truth of right relationship with God and man. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me show you this. Let's Hey, just catch this with me for a moment. Catch all the insight about relational breakdown. When he says in verse 1 of chapter 3, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Everyone say, breakdown. Lovers of money, breakdown. Boasters, proud, relational breakdown. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, breakdown. Relational breakdown. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, breakdown, unforgiving, breakdown, relational breakup. It's, hey, did you know the world is filled with people who are walking around with the poison of unforgiveness in their soul? And you know who put it there? We let the devil put it there by, by allowing him into relationships and, and not following through with what Jesus said about being a forgiver. It's the devil's plan. I want you to see this. Are you seeing this? And if you've had relational breakdown, listen, that's the devil's plan for your life. And in these last days, we need role models and right, and, and role models who have, who establish right relationship, not only with God, but with man and with mother and daddy and brother and sister and began to build. In fact, let me just hit it from one angle here. Let me just talk about the, 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 the huge lack of fathers in the earth today. Wednesday night, our children 
had a little prayer, like we're going to do Wednesday night. Here, they had prayer stations. You need to know this. And our children's leaders led them around to prayer stations to pray for different areas and to pray for family. And nearly every child in there, I don't know how many were, when they got to that station about family, they started weeping. Because of heartache in the family. Our children. I came out, we're having a good time. I see our kids over on the couch and our children's ministers are just ministering to these little crying children. There's a huge breakdown. There's a fatherhood void. In fact, Paul said this to, to the Corinthians. There's a lot of instructors in Christ, but not many fathers. And I, I tell you, this is where I, I struggle. Because I've got infected by this undermining of the enemy in my own life, and I never looked at myself as a father to anybody but my three kids. And as a result, in some ways, I've instructed people but never been a father. Well, they didn't need another lesson from the, from the preacher to tell them what they need to do, but somebody who could be a father and say, listen, let me talk to you as a father would talk to his son. Relational breakdown. It's just invaded our world. And when you look at First and Second Timothy, you'll discover that everywhere he said, Timothy, hey, learn to relate rightly with your church folk. Read it in First Timothy 5 and 6. Learn how to relate to the elders. Learn how to rightly relate to the widows. Learn how to rightly relate to the church elders who are older than you. And even learn how to rightly relate to people who have hurt you. As he said in the last of his letter, he said, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me much harm. You watch out for him. But then we find the forgiveness. Lord, don't hold this to their account. I don't know how to say this. Because I'm undone about it, but listen. We're living in the last days and we can't let the devil undermine the right relationships that we so desperately need and what we need and what we need others, what others need us to be. At the close of his life, it's, a sad, it's, it's sad to me when you go to 2 Timothy Verse 9 and 10, be diligent to come to me quickly. Listen, I'm telling you, this man was a wounded warrior in his latter moments of his life. He said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world. He has departed for Thessalonica. Listen. He said, only Luke's with me. He said, get Mark and bring him 
with you. Now, if you know anything about the history of Mark, at one point he said, you can leave him at home, I don't trust him. But in the latter years of his life, he went, oops, you bring Mark. He's useful. And then he says in verse 16, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So the message of Christ and the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. The Lord will deliver me for his evil, uh, for every, from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. And he gets through those heartbreaks and he moves back in the latter feudal letters, words of this letter. He moves back into fond memory. He doesn't end with a sour note. Because he says, greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesephorus. Oh, Onesephorus. That's the guy who loved me and cared for me at my darkest moment. The one who didn't quit on me. The one who stayed right there and he would come and he would often refresh me while I was in prison. He wasn't ashamed of my chains. You know what he's telling Timothy? Yeah, there are people out there that will hurt you. But that doesn't mean we don't need right relationships with one another. In fact, the devil's trying to undermine that part of our life and cause us to isolate ourselves from one another in the body of Christ. You know what the writer of Hebrews said, and I'm going to close. He said, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So much more as you see that day approaching. You know what he's saying? As the last days grow shorter and shorter, the more and more we need one another. It's time to raise the bar of relationship. It's time to raise the bar of right living. It's time to raise the bar of readiness in our life. And be the kind of person God would have us to be. Not just so we please God by how we live. But so others can see Jesus on the inside of us. And be born again. Let's stand together today. I pray today, boldly pray today that you would be bothered inside by this show the way this would bother you in a good way cause you to ask yourself very important questions about who you are the responsibility you have to be a role model of right living a role model of readiness and a role model of right relationships with God and others you would examine yourself and be able to ask yourself, am I really something that people would, is what I do and how I live my life something that would cause other people to want to live the way I live and experience what I've experienced? How are we going to do it? Jesus Christ, His mercy and grace, His faith and love living a life totally dependent upon Him. Let's bow our heads before the Lord.
Father, today as we finish off this service, I pray you would help us not just to know the way, but be able to show the way. Not just share it as we talked about last week with our words, but to show the way with how we live and how we move and have our beings. That our life would be a reflection of Christ. That people, when they see us, they would not see us, but they would see Jesus in us. Lord, we run to the cross and we thank you for the superabundance of your grace and mercy. Listen, right now, you just embrace His mercy and grace in your life and His faith in your life and, and his, his love for you. Let's embrace it. Father, we embrace that today. Because without Your mercy and grace and Your faith and love being poured out on our hearts, we'll never be able to be what You want us to be. We ask You, Lord, for an abundance of grace. An abundance of mercy and a strong faith and a sincere love for you and one another. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, His mercy and grace is here for you. If you've never really had an experience with Him on a place in your life where you realize like Paul did, His mercy and grace was manifested to me on the road to Damascus and he, he revealed Himself to me and I gave my life to Him. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I want to be born again. Lift your hand wherever you are. Anyone here? Pastor, I want to be born again. I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I know I've given my life to Christ, but I've never really, I, I've been a, I've been a, I've been a little bit of a hermit. I've been a little uh, 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 introverted because of hurts and issues in my life and how others have hurt me. And I've carried that and, and that has robbed me of relational of relationships in church and in my family. And today I want to find forgiveness from God and forgiveness from others. Wherever you are, just lift your hand. So that's me. I'm, I'm a wounded warrior. I know it's late, but this is worth it. I want us to lift all. Uh, hey, I don't. I try not to do this because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I'm just going to step out. Let's all lift our hands to the Lord and say, "Jesus, I choose to forgive. I choose to be a forgiver. I ask you to heal my heart. Areas where I'm hurt and wounded." I choose to forgive and release people who have me bound. Heal my heart today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you for your patience. We're going to dismiss. And if you're here today and you need prayer for any reason, I see Jim and Trish here. Jim and Trish, lift your hand here if you believe God's adding you to church on the rock north you can come as well and listen I believe God's drawing people to our church family we need one another you can come as well they'll pray for you they'll invite you and they'll help you and they'll give you everything you need 
Everybody love the Lord. Say amen. Father, thank you for the word of God today. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. And I bless the church family today as they go out into the harvest field. May they go out, Lord, with a revelation that Jesus lives on the inside of them. And through Jesus, the other, the, the world can see Jesus in us. We can be role models that others can follow in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. God